welcome to Tardisian Files, a show dedicated to reviewing and discussing aspects of one of the most loved and longest-running British sci-fi shows. This podcast is a fan-led series where we pull together sources from all across Doctor Who's extended media, including the show itself, comics, audio stories and novels. Today we will be continuing on from our last episode, where we pondered the question, what if Donna Noble hadn't met the Doctor for a second time? Today we will explore how this would affect the story of The Poison Sky. Without further ado, on to the scenario. We pick up where we left off, with the Doctor, Martha and Ross Jenkins arriving at Unit HQ at the Tower of London. They are greeted by Colonel Mace, who looks dishevelled, as though he's just come from battle. The Doctor angrily confronts Mace about engaging with the Sontarans, but is cut off when Mace tells him that the Sontarans launched an unprovoked attack on the unit forces at the Atmos factory, with many unit personnel being lost due to the Sontarans' use of the Cordelaine signal. This confuses the Doctor, who wonders why the Sontarans would have attacked unit when they didn't know enough about Atmos to warrant such a brutal attack from them. Colonel Mace declares that with the Atmos gas rising in density, Code Red Sontaran has been escalated. The UN nuclear strike will resume from the Tower of London. Meanwhile, General Stahl is reeling from the loss of his entire attack squad on board the Sontaran ship. While he's ranting, he declares that if the planet goes nuclear, all of their efforts with the Atmos gas will be futile, and the stratagem will fail. Luke Rattigan, who is standing beside him at this time, asks why the nukes would be a problem. This is when Stahl reveals that the launching of that many nukes all at once would cause the Atmos gas to ignite, cleansing the air, hence why they went to such extreme lengths to prevent the launch back at the Atmos factory. At this, Luke recounts a time to General Stahl when he hacked into the NATO launch system, just to see if he could. At the time, he was successful at hacking into the system and went undetected, which prompted him to keep the algorithm he used on a portable drive. You know, just in case. Luke says he can do this again, but he needs to go back to the Ratigan Academy and get access to the drive and his laptop. Back at Unit, Ross, the Doctor and Martha all debrief Colonel Mace on what they discovered at the Rattigan Academy, informing him that Luke Rattigan is knowingly in league with the Sontarans and about the terraforming technology that the students were developing. Mace orders his troops to go to the Academy and arrest Luke and his students, declaring Luke Rattigan a public enemy. The Doctor asks if they've identified the components of the Atmos gas. To which Colonel Mace tells him that while the first two components are typical toxic emissions gas, such as carbon monoxide, there's a third component not native to Earth, 
which they haven't been able to identify yet. The Doctor insists on taking the TARDIS up to the Sontaran ship to talk to the Sontarans. Mace informs him that the TARDIS was recovered from the ruins of the Atmos factory. However, he and Martha are going to need some protective gear before going up to the ship. Meanwhile, Luke Raskin arrives via teleport back at the Academy. He fails to notice that the college seems uncharacteristically quiet and makes his way to his office. Luke logs into his computer and boots up his algorithm, effortlessly hacking into the NATO nuclear launch system. However, before he can disarm the entire system, he hears the sound of boots marching through the academy hallways. Suddenly, an amplified voice coming from a megaphone informs Luke that he is surrounded by unit forces, his students have already been arrested, and he is now a prisoner of war. In a panic, Luke uses his algorithm to send the launch system into a 24-hour infinite loop, hoping it'll give the Sontarans the time they need to fully convert Earth. He is then arrested as unit soldiers flood into his office. While there, the unit forces also seize all the technology from the labs to have it sent to Unit HQ to help with their investigation into Atmos. Back at Unit HQ, Colonel Mace has just received word from their office in Geneva. The NATO launch system is completely offline. They cannot launch the missiles at the Sontaran ship. This prompts the Doctor to once again question why the Sontarans would go to such lengths to avoid a nuclear strike on their ship, knowing that it wouldn't even dent the hull. Mace tells the Doctor and Martha that they have the green light to go up to the Sontaran ship on the condition that they covertly broadcast a visual feed back to Unit HQ when they reach the main flight deck. In the Unit HQ holding cells, Luke Rattigan is ranting and raving about how the Sontarans shall be victorious, and that when the Earth is dead, he and his chosen ones will be enjoying paradise on the planet Castor 36. The Doctor and Martha suit up in anti-blaster gear designed to keep them safe from the Sontaran's weapons. In this timeline, the Doctor has no problem with Martha carrying a stun gun with her up to the ship. They make their way to Unit HQ's designated bay for the TARDIS. Martha and the Doctor take a moment to reflect on how they've both become rather militant over the last few hours. The Doctor expresses his remorse over the deaths of the unit personnel and the Atmos workers during the factory battle. Martha reminds him that he wasn't at the factory during the attack, and there's still so much about the Sontaran's plan that they don't know about. With this boost of confidence, the Doctor activates the TARDIS's external shields and sets the coordinates for a region of the ship's lower decks, to avoid the Sontarans from merely shooting them as soon as they step up. They materialise in a dark lower level of the ship, surrounded by pipes and tanks filled with some kind of liquid feed. One of the pipes is leaky, and the volatile substance inside is dripping out, causing Martha to hold her nose and cough heavily. 
The doctor inspects the substance, and after a brief scan with the sonic screwdriver, he realises that the substance is clone feed. When Martha asks what clone feed is, the doctor explains that it is metabolic fuel for the Sontarans, which they have to store as a liquid on the ship, as the gaseous form they feed into themselves is highly volatile. After purposefully wandering around the ship, they are caught by a private soldier and taken to General Stahl. Once on the flight deck, Stahl expresses glee at their arrival, noting that they must be stupid to walk into his ship. He orders his soldiers to take aim and fire! The smoke clears, and the Doctor and Martha are still standing there, the Doctor smiling smugly as their anti-blaster gear absorb the energy from the weapons. Stahl hisses, muttering something about not facing death and using force fields. The Doctor rebuffs Stahl by stating how cowardly the use of gas as a weapon and blocking both bullets and nuclear missiles were on the Sontaran's part. Stahl replies angrily, that the use of the gas and the blocking of the bullets and the nukes were all part of his stratagem's advance, but he still refuses to explain what the gas is. Meanwhile, Martha covertly thumbs a button in the palm of her armour's glove. Back at Unit HQ, Colonel Mace and the rest of Unit turn to their screens and witness the Doctor as he berates the Sontarans for their cowardice and the assault on the Atmos factory. At the same time, soldiers in the holding cells are interrogating Luke Rattigan, getting nowhere as he continues to rant about Castor 36 and his importance to the Sontarans. As the Doctor continues to spar with Stahl, he asks where Luke Rattigan fits into the stratagem now that the Atmos devices are active. At this moment, Colonel Mace clicks a broadcast option on his computer, sending the feed remotely to a monitor in Luke's cell. Stahl goes on to tell the Doctor how the Sontarans tricked Luke into believing that they were going to take him and his students to a made-up planet to start humanity anew even going as far as to invent environmental challenges for the students to overcome by designing terraforming equipment. Luke is shattered as he hears all of this from his cell, realising that he has been double-crossed and manipulated. The Doctor continues to probe the Sontarans, deducing that their war with the Rutans is not going well. This prompts him to stipulate that their reason for using indirect tactics was to avoid unnecessary depletion of their troops. However, the Doctor still has no idea why the Sontarans would deliberately poison the atmosphere of a planet they intended to invade, still unaware of the mysterious third component of the gas. Stahl merely laughs and says that the gas will lead to a glorious new chapter of the Sontaran Empire. Seeing that he's gotten everything he can out of the Sontarans, the Doctor quickly sonics a nearby teleport, locking all of the teleports to his control as he did in Partners in Crime with the window washer lift. 
He then sonics the Sontaran's blasters, temporarily disabling them. At that moment, Martha draws her stun gun and begins firing on the Sontarans, clearing a way for them as they make their way back down to the lower decks of the ship. Back at Unit HQ, a remorseful Luke has been let out of his cell, on the grounds that he helps Unit stop the Sontarans. He explains what Stahl told him about the nukes, and how launching them would have ignited the gas. He also tells them that the Sontaran ship is impervious to the nukes, and that he has locked the NATO launch system in a 24-hour loop to prevent them from using it. Relaying this to the UN Council, Colonel Mace is ordered to call off the strike and figure out a new way to ignite the gas safely, going as far as to contact Tortured 3 for assistance. Back on the Sontaran ship, the Doctor and Martha are nearly back at the TARDIS. The Doctor's head is pounding, trying to make sense of all the information he's gathered, but still failing to understand the missing link. They use the fast return protocol and return to Unit HQ, where they see Luke Rattigan out of his cell. The Doctor asks what Luke is doing out of confinement, and Luke goes on to explain about the gas's volatility, and the effect the nuclear launch would have had on it. They all head to the HQ's lab, where they see other scientists trying and failing to simulate a safe ignition of the gas using samples they collected from the air. Both the Doctor and Luke state that they need to know the third component of the gas to figure out how to ignite it safely. Martha then catches a whiff of the gas from the failed ignition experiment. She recognises the smell instantly and yells, CLONE FEED! The Doctor turns to her stunned as he too flashes back to their time on the Sontaran ship and what he'd told her. The clone feed on the ship had to be kept in liquid form because the gaseous form was volatile. The third component is clone feed. With this new information and all Luke's technology at Unit HQ, the Doctor has everyone bring him all the components he needs to build an atmospheric conversion device, just like in the original timeline. He calibrates it and takes it outside. With his fingers crossed, he sends a blast into the sky. After a few seconds, the thick blanket of Atmos gas covering the atmosphere ignites. The Sontarans watch in fury as the fiery storm envelops the planet below, cleansing the Earth. Back on Earth, the Doctor tells Colonel Mace that unit forces must hold their positions. It's not over yet. Knowing the Sontarans will be preparing for guerrilla warfare to take Earth by force, the Doctor isn't taking any more chances. He heads to the TARDIS and recalibrates the device to Sontaran air. Martha and Luke follow him and ask what he's doing. The Doctor explains that the Sontaran's about to launch an all-out attack on Earth. He's going to use the device to blow up the ship, which he intends to teleport up there using the teleport codes he copied earlier when he locked the teleport systems of the ship. Martha has no qualms with this, but the Doctor is attacked by his own conscience. 
does he have the right to wipe them out without giving them a chance to back off first? Back on the ship, General Stahl is once again barking orders, getting every available Sontaran ready for all-out war with the Earth, to wipe out humanity once and for all. Suddenly, an alarm goes off, and one of Stahl's commanders tells him that there's been a teleport breach in the clone feed levels of the ship. Before Stahl can react, the device goes off. The ship is blown apart in a fiery inferno. It's all over. The Sontarans are defeated, and Earth is celebrating its newfound appreciation for clean air. Back at Unit, the Doctor and Martha watch as Luke Rattigan is taken into Unit custody. He's earned some clemency for his part in the Sontarans' defeat, but he'll need a lot of rehabilitation. The Doctor has pulled some strings to allow Luke to be kept on as an asset for Unit, but not after he's served several years under house arrest. Back in the TARDIS, the Doctor and Martha reflect on the day's events. Billions were saved, but at the cost of many innocent lives. Most disturbingly, the Doctor notes how he's become oddly comfortable with using harsher tactics to defeat the bad guys. He was fully prepared to blow up the Sontarans himself, and at the last minute, he let an 18-year-old do it for him. He can feel himself slipping into old habits from the Time War. The Doctor asks Martha if he's changing into something dark. She comforts him, saying that while he shocked her earlier, she wouldn't have done it any differently in his position. He was racing against the clock to save Earth, and the Sontarans should have known better than to attack a planet under the Doctor's protection. She also reminds him of the family of blood, and how he gave them every chance to back down and stop what they were doing, just like he did with the Sontarans. But they forced his hand and paid the price for it. The Doctor notes this time it was different. This time it was war that made him act this way. Martha reminds him that he didn't start this war, the Sontarans did. And he was the one who ended it, saving billions of lives in the process. Just as Martha gets up to leave, the TARDIS doors shut themselves and lock, and the whole ship begins shaking. The Doctor cries out that the ship is in flight, desperately hammering on the console to get the TARDIS under control. But nothing's working. As Martha protests, the Doctor swears that it isn't him that's doing this, and that the TARDIS is flying of its own accord. Where will they end up? And that brings us to the end of today's scenario. As we see, 
the Doctor's character development is starting to take a turn, potentially for the worse. He's already becoming more and more like his Ninth and Time War incarnations. How far will this descent back into old habits go for the Doctor? And how might this affect him going into the traumatic events of the next episode, The Doctor's Daughter? If you enjoyed today's scenario, please leave a like and tell your friends. You can check out some of our other material either on Spotify or Google Podcasts. You can also follow our Instagram page at Tardisian Files Podcasts for regular updates and news about upcoming content. As always, join us next time on Tardisian Files. See you then, everyone. <laughs>